Today's podcast is the second in a three-part series on generosity. In the final installment, I'll share my thoughts on the when of giving and share some additional resources to support your journey. We've got to understand the very fact that giving is a journey. There are different levels of giving, though, and everyone has to start somewhere. Today is an excellent day for evaluating this spectrum of giving and identifying where you find yourself at this time. There's not a wrong way to start, but I encourage you to keep evaluating how you can progress through these different levels of giving in order to serve the kingdom. The first step is to determine what step you're starting on. The first type of giver is a spontaneous giver. This giver didn't wake up this morning with a plan to give, but when the unforeseen comes up, they step up to the plate. You find these types of givers both in the church and in the secular world, and they are often motivated by emotion. Some examples of spontaneous giving are disaster relief, special offerings, and other types of opportunities that come up on a one-time basis. This could even include giving a dollar to a person on a street corner. Spontaneous giving is an excellent first step on the giving journey because it provokes the giver to recognize the needs outside of their own lives and immediate families. Because this type of giving is unplanned, there may or may not be financial sacrifice involved. The hope is that someone who is awakened by an opportunity to give spontaneously can grow into a regular giver. Regular giving is the type of gifts that are pre-planned, recurring gifts to a church or another organization. These reoccurring gifts could be weekly, monthly, yearly, anything that happens on a regular interval. It may involve a commitment to a percentage of the person's income, such as tithing 1-10% to 10% of gross income. Sacrificial giving. The final step in giving is a great place to be. It has honestly changed my life. It's incredible to join God on the giving journey and see how He will work in you. Now, giving sacrificially can be tricky when you achieve a certain level of wealth. It may take some effort to make your giving sacrificial because you aren't exactly operating on tight financial margins. One way that my wife Kathy and I evaluate this together was to create a set budget for our personal needs. We agreed that we wouldn't expend that personal budget regardless of how much our wealth grew. In this model, we start with our needs rather than starting with our giving. The needs have limits, but the giving doesn't. Giving sacrificially takes on different meanings for different individuals. For some, it may mean actually going without wants or needs in order to give funds to a greater need. For others, the sacrifice is more of a mental reality. Even when you don't lack any material thing, you may still feel a sense of sacrifice because what you have is yours and you have earned it. You know that once you give it, you're never going to get it back. Wherever it is you're starting, think ahead and plan to grow. When you're moving from one level of giving to the next, it's important to give yourself grace in the process. No one else can determine what is right or wrong for you in this area. This is a conversation between you, your spouse, and God. Make a plan such as a personal budget or a regular commitment to a dollar amount and follow through with it for six months. Then sit down with your wife and reevaluate whether your plan still makes sense. This is something Kathy and I did in our early days and it set a great foundation for our future. Did we sit down after that first six months and find that we had discovered a bunch of profound answers to our questions about the best means and methods for giving? Not necessarily, but I don't know that you'll ever truly make a lot of conclusions about what is right and wrong in this area. The important thing is that you keep moving down the road. You have to sort out what's right for you as a family. Don't be afraid to invite mathematical formulas into this process either. I'm a formula guy. 
Formulas speak to me. They are an excellent tool to rely on as your income ebbs and flows because your circumstances change. You just adjust the formula. Devoting a percentage of your income to giving is one way that you can choose to begin. However, it doesn't take into account a proportional devotion of your income when the income does increase. As you make more money and God has blessed you with more than you need, you will find that you are no longer giving in a proportion that's appropriate to your earnings. The formula you develop can serve as a benchmark that forces you to think through it. Once you evaluate this, you might be surprised at your perceived versus actual figures. God would encourage you to reevaluate this and adjust your percentage, which is where a formula can come in handy. If you set your personal budget first, that largely doesn't change over time, the formula can assist you in increasing your giving accordingly. We did this a long time ago as a sort of covenant or promise we made with God. We wanted to formally acknowledge that if He were to bless us with more income, our giving percentage would grow. It's also important to understand the difference between tithes and offerings. Tithes represent your 10% or whatever percentage you're able to commit to at that particular time. Offerings are sacrificial. They go beyond the regular gift of a tithe. In my view, the purpose of a tithe is to increase God's kingdom, which may or may not be defined as giving to your church. Give generously where you feel led to give. I've always said I think we should pay Caesar his due, but encourage him to fund ministry. It's scriptural. You owe taxes, and you have to pay them. Anytime I can get Caesar to fund a ministry, I jump at the chance. When my whole dollar goes to ministry, versus paying 50% in taxes, I'm getting every dollar I can get from Caesar. Following this plan allows me to be a better steward by doing my giving in the year the money was earned. This is all about stewardship. There's no wisdom in giving blindly. Be educated and deliberate as you choose where and how to expand your giving. I've prepared a handout titled Nine Rules of Thumb for Donors for you to consider as you determine your path forward. I will be reading this handout at the end of this podcast, and you can access this handout and download it off my website under Handouts. In all of this, you ought not forget your family. Taking care of your biological families is another area of responsibility that the Bible calls us to. These types of gifts would most likely be outside any sort of regular giving commitment and not considered a tithe. However, they are still important. This will be another area you will have to evaluate when you make a financial plan and have a plan for growth. Think about whether you have regular family needs and account for them in your plan. When it comes to children, making an estate plan is something people have different philosophies on. We have chosen a route that prioritizes our kingdom giving over trying to set up our children with a lot of money. This is not an easy decision, and we weren't sure how they would respond when they got old enough to understand that we were blessing ministries around the world with what God has given us. We found, however, that they were actually very supportive of our decision. They've learned a lot about financial responsibility by not having everything handed to them, and they seem to be grateful for that. We've somewhat involved our kids in our giving from day one. However, after I went through my cancer experience, God made it clear to us that it was time to fully engage our adult children in every decision and gift. We wanted them to know the details of every gift. The giving journey is not easy. If you give Satan an ear, he will have a lot to tell you. It comes down to staying the course. Surround yourself with some wise Christian counselors and friends that hold you accountable to the giving commitments you've made. 
It's important to have someone that you can be vulnerable to when you start to doubt your decision-making or negotiate compromises about your sacrifices. You are always going to need support. Satan is pulling at you every single day from every angle, trying to get you to go in the opposite direction than the one that you've committed to. It can be easy to entertain these thoughts and make financial decisions that are based in fear rather than faith. In all things, of course, be cautious of pride. It's easy to look at a large dollar amount and feel great about it. Remember, there's no reward for you in that. I'm just like anyone else, and I've learned a lot of these things the hard way. I've discovered that the reward comes when you can truly identify what you've traded in order to give. The key principle remains, we are blessed to be a blessing. As you begin to follow my blog and pursue opportunity for growth, it is helpful to do an assessment on various topics of life. If you haven't already, I encourage you to go to my blog online and take the Current Life Conditions Assessment. I believe it would be helpful to take this assessment annually and revisit how you are growing in faith and in life. This week, take a hard look at your finances and determine where you're at on the giving spectrum. Are you giving at a level you desire? Have you determined a set budget for your basic needs? Have a conversation with your spouse about how you see your finances changing in the next six months. Are you ready to make some changes? Are you unified in your marriage on this front? Write out a plan, bathe it in prayer, and gather the courage to take the plunge. Now I will be reading the handout titled Nine Rules of Thumb for Donors. 1. The Principle of Indispensability Support indispensable causes to which your support is indispensable. Look for organizations that use funds extremely wisely, treat dollars like the widow's might, and produce a significant kingdom return for the dollars spent. 2. The Principle of Synergy Seek synergy. We assess synergy as an opportunity where 1 plus 1 equals 3 or more. Consider where and how your contributions can have an exponential impact. 3. The Principle of Leadership Know who's in control. Leadership is critical to any organization. To ensure that a ministry is effective in their impact and represents good stewardship with donors' dollars, it's important that organizations that you're donating to have great leadership. 4. The Principle of Anonymity Consider the pros and cons of anonymity. There's a biblical concept that your giving should not be prideful, and giving anonymously is one way to accomplish that. Scripture also makes it clear that if we receive reward for our giving here on earth, it robs us of the reward waiting for us in heaven. On the other hand, it also challenges us to model good Christian behavior and be a light to others. It's important for each individual to find that right balance in their giving. 6. The Principle of Dependency do not foster dependency. Giving to organizations that have a self-sustainability game plan is important. Being totally dependent on donor support for an organization's entire existence weakens and puts the organization at risk. 6. The Principle of Initiatives Favor initiatives. When it comes to initiatives, we look for opportunities to help charities, ministries, take key steps in advancing their mission and aid them in pursuing something new that may not be included in their current budget. 7. The Principle of Leverage Contribute to organizations that have leverage. Support efforts that bring about the greatest multiplication of results from the time or money you contribute. Leverage can take different shapes and sizes, but organizations that understand and look for leverage to stretch the dollar improve stewardship and increase their impact at a much faster pace than the growth of their budget is a very attractive ministry to support. 
sharing best practices and partnering with other organizations can drastically increase impact more so than trying to do everything yourself. 8. The Principle of OPM Use other people's money. OPM. Seek OPM to fund initiatives you support, but only so long as it can be raised without decreasing efficiency or compromising the mission of the organization. Ties into 7, where partnering with other organizations can expand your work without requiring the expansion of your budget. Sharing best practices, enabling others to improve their effectiveness, is a great way of increasing your own impact and effectiveness. 9. The Principle of Transparency There are many resources that enable you to discover the financial well-being of a particular organization you are considering supporting. It is wise to do your homework and learn a reasonable amount about the history of the organization. As we conclude... I'd like to share a little something about the foundation Kathy and I started over 25 years ago. Every so often, Kathy and I receive requests from friends and mentees to share information about the Ministry Servants Heart Foundation supports. It has been important to us to choose organizations that we see being efficient and effective stewards of the resources they've been entrusted with. We've been honored to work closely with each ministry's leadership and witness firsthand the great kingdom impact they're having. We are glad to share these organizations with you on Servants Heart Blog, found at ServantsHeartBlog.org. One of our values is good information is shared with a friend. Please take the time to think of your friends who might benefit from this blog. You can introduce the blog to them by sharing the post or by sharing this podcast by clicking the share link on the top right corner of the audio link. If you'd like to download a copy of this handout, simply go to the blog post and click the handouts tab. I hope this information will be useful to you. Thank you again for joining me on this journey as we seek God's best for our lives.